0: So most of you know that I typically refer to myself as kind of a case study for provocative, right? I often tell you guys all of my juicy secrets and my thought process and my sexual journey and anything that I could think of that would be super helpful. And part of me doing that is with the hopes that I will inspire you guys to explore your sexuality in a way that is shame free. Because for majority of my sex life, I do think I carried around a lot of shame from me being someone who lost their virginity at the age of 14, uh, as someone who was a victim of sexual abuse and just, you know, someone who has been sexualized for majority of my life. Just all of these different things. Right. And it's a lot of shame that comes with that. And if you aren't able to separate the shame from who you actually are as a sexual being, sex can get a little unpleasant or a little complicated, shall I say. And that is not what I want for anyone. I feel like a walking around with a shameful view of yourself, of your body, of your sexuality is a burden that people just shouldn't bear. We shouldn't because we are sexual beings. It's supernatural. And that is why today's topic is about shame-free sex. And I think it's super important that we really dive into this topic specifically. Of course, we've addressed it on multiple episodes. But again, I think it's super important that we kind of hone in a little bit more on it. So today we're gonna talk about shame-free sex. It's your freak hostess, Jody, and you're tuned into Provocative.
1: No one knows what it means, but it's provocative.
0: I will marry a nigga awesome dick, because everything else else we can work on. And I have uh, sporadic periods of excessive masturbation. I really like how that just sounded. If I fuck you once and it's good, I'm gonna keep fucking you. Because I didn't start sucking dick until college. Blew in that man's butthole. <laughs> that, that shit is
2: wicked. That shit is-
0: And I have joining with me... Rena Martin, and she is a sex coach, a sex educator, and I'm just gonna hand it over to her, actually, because I'm sure whatever description I can give will not do her justice. Because she is definitely a rock star, and that is why I have her on the show. Because I know you guys are gonna find value in what she has to say. So, Rena, please introduce yourself to the provocative audience.
1: All right, all right. So, yes, yeah, my name is Rena Martin. I am a women's intimacy expert, and you might be thinking, what the hell does that mean, Rena?" Um, but I, I am a coach, so I'm a women's intimacy coach. I also write, um, I speak, and I educate, and I run workshops. So I kind of reach as many people as I possibly can when it comes to sex, intimacy, and relationships. Uh, but I didn't always do this. I was actually a deputy district attorney with the Los Angeles County DA's office for 14 years and prosecuted sex crimes, child abuse, and domestic violence cases for the majority of that career. But it was really me going through my my personal journey of overcoming sexual shame and coming out the other end of that that led me to want to change careers and, and shift and start helping other women in a different way. Instead of seeing all the pain that sex causes when I was prosecuting sex crimes, I now um, get to talk about the joy, the joy that that we get from sex, the joy that we get from connecting with one another. And so my goal is to help women have shame-free sex. And so we are literally right on topic with everything I do um, (laughs) in today's episode. (laughs)
0: I love that. I love that. And I also love your background as well, because it's super interesting where you may think you're super passionate about one aspect of your career or what you're doing. But As part of that journey, what you find is that, yes, you enjoy it, but there's something else that's more powerful and more impactful. And it just, you know, you're more passionate about it. It keeps you up at night. And when you start having those feelings towards something, it's like, okay, now it's time for a shift. Right. And Mm -hmm. to your point, you said you had to work through your own process in order to be like, you know what? I want to help others. I want to help them have shame-free sex. So I hope that with today's episode, we're able to give people tips and tricks and talk about our own kind of overcoming of that shame so that they might be inspired to say, you know what? I I get that. Or even if you haven't had to overcome something specific being more mindful about the people around you that may have had to overcome that, right?
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. So that even if it doesn't apply to you directly, that you can be a better ally to the people you love.
0: Yes. Yes. I think oftentimes, and we see this on social media very often, like there may be a super publicized, incident with a celebrity where it was sexual assault or sexual abuse or some people like me who just kind of sit back and I watch I people watch and I pay attention to the the things that people are saying and in the back of my mind I'm like mental note I would never drink with this person I would never do this I would never do that so it's like I'm taking notes as a protective measure of myself because oftentimes people will tell you exactly who they are if you listen and I also think that it's very telling when the people are just very um, not conscious of how often women actually are victims of sexual violence and how close that might be to them so when you're saying something where it's like oh no you know what, what what was she wearing or if you do anything that's even remotely victim blaming you've just made it harder for someone close to you to come talk to you about something that may be really bothering them
1: yes absolutely absolutely absolutely
0: So, um, what do you think that kind of, you know, I, I, of course, I think there are a lot of different things that go into it, but what do you think that, that shame, that shamefulness associated with like sex, um, the, our sexual expression, all of those things, where do you think it comes from?
1: Ooh, (laughs) that's, that's the question. And, and, you know, I'm asked this often and usually, what I say is, where is it not coming from? Oh, because, yeah. <laughs> yes, it, it it can come from surviving sexual abuse or trauma, right? That, that's, I think, what we often think. Like, okay, well, if I didn't survive some sort of sexual abuse or trauma, then, then I'm just going to have this great sex life. And it, that couldn't be farther from the truth. So mm-hmm. what I see a lot with my clients is, People who have been raised perhaps in a sex-negative religion or family. Mm. Um, People who might have been shamed by their partners for how they look, how their bodies work. You know, women who are like, I I can't have an orgasm this way or I can't have an orgasm at all. What's wrong with me? So anytime Mm. somebody's saying, is this normal or what's wrong with me, that's shame there. So mm-hmm. yes, that can come from trauma, it can come from religion, but like, this can just come from being a woman who is alive today and soaking up the social cues that exist out in the world. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, my, I'll speak for myself here, like I, I am a survivor of of sexual trauma, but my shame came from feeling like I didn't want what I thought everyone else did. So I kept trying monogamy over and over and over again. I was like, this isn't working for me. Um, sex was always fine for me, but I knew it could be better. And so once I realized, like, wait a second, I don't have to follow the same script that everyone else is. It gave me permission to start living my life di- differently, uh, mm-hmm. designing my own kind of relationship, having a lot more adventurous sex. But ultimately, that shame felt like, "What's wrong with me that I can't get this right?" This mm-hmm. thing that everyone else seems to be doing so easily. So, so yeah, shame can pretty much come from
0: anywhere, Jody. Right, right. And then I think you you said something that seems. It seems like everyone else is doing it so easily. But what we what we know to be true is that it, I don't think people are just doing it that easily. I think they're hiding it, right? I think they're hiding right. the difficulty associated with it because there aren't too many people that are having these conscious conversations that drive the narrative forward in a productive way. I think oftentimes people make you think that you're going about something wrong when you're actually not. It's okay to be inquisitive. It's okay to want to explore things sexually. This is where I'm going with this. There's so much bad information out there. And that is how we know people are not doing this stuff easily. Because it's too much bad information continuing to be floated around. Uh, yeah, every time yes. I think about your post specifically, uh, you, you, you have a post that I keep sharing to my story that says apparently I haven't screamed this loud enough, but using a vibrator does not desensitize your clit that when I literally see other women post how. Ladies, you shouldn't be using a vibrator because it's going to desensitize your click. It grinds my gears so hard because you are shaming people for pleasuring themselves. And regardless of your intent, that is the narrative that you are driving. You are trying to make people feel bad for self-pleasuring. And that is crazy to me.
1: Well, you know, I see actually people who are in the sex and intimacy space saying that kind of stuff, too. Oh. And I, I'm hearing it more from folks who take a more, um, like spiritual approach to sexuality, which I'm not throwing shade on. It's just, I'm, I'm a very science evidence and fact-based practitioner because I'm mm-hmm. the lawyer in me, I guess. But, um, and it's just, you know, your sacred Yoni, you don't want to, you know, use the toy, like all this stuff, which is not my wheelhouse, but. I will have women coming to me saying, I saw another sex coach post this, or I heard another sex coach on a podcast saying that you can overuse your vibrator. And I have to tell people, like, okay, you know, sex coach or people who have PhDs in this stuff, who do you want to actually believe here? Right. And so I always do my best to to cite the experts. And then I'm not,
0: yeah, and also... I would never say that there's no such thing as overusing anything. I think that you can overuse stuff, but the result being a desensitized clit, Mm -hmm. mm, I'm not. That's where I kind of draw the line. Do I think that you can become overly dependent on any vice? Yes. If you are overusing toys in a way that seems addictive, Because the same way we could have sex addictions, I definitely think that you can be addicted to something in that way, right? So if you Mm -hmm. do become addicted to porn, addicted to, you know, self-pleasuring, that is a totally different conversation. But we're not talking about that. You guys are saying, stop doing this because this is the result. No, that's not how that works. You don't tell people to stop crossing the street because you saw someone get hit by a car before.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. and part of it too is this fear, like that—that um, that I think heterosexual men have, which is, if my girl, if my wife, if my partner starts using a vibrator, it's going to replace me,
0: and that is, or crazy. she's going to become
1: sense, <laughs> right? Like she's going to become desensitized to other kinds of pleasure. So that's really the concern, isn't like, am I not going to feel anything? Or it, it's more um, if I use my vibrator often does not mean I'm not going to be able to orgasm through oral through, you know, using fingers, anything else. Right. And what I tell people is you, you can't air quotes overuse your vibrator from a physical perspective, Mm -hmm. but you have to remember that a vibrator is more powerful than any part of a human body. And it's going to be able to deliver pleasure in a much more, in a much quicker time frame. In an enhanced way. And so um, I, I use a lot of food analogies. So I, I say it's like, it's, say you want mac and cheese for dinner. It's your decision if you want to bake it in the oven or put it in the microwave. You're going to get your mac and cheese eventually. It's just how patient do you want to be? And the vibrator is the microwave. So yes, remember <laughs> that you be patient if you can normally orgasm through oral sex. Um, know that it's probably going to take a lot longer than using a toy. And just remember that. And it's not because of the toy. It's just that's how long it takes right
0: exactly and i love your food analogy because i use a lot of food analogies as well on the show and i tell people it's because i have a fat soul but also i think people (laughs) just kind of understand it better when you talk about food because everyone understands food right and um i so i use like a slow cooker analogy and it's like okay do you and you know to your point I'm like do you want to pop it in the microwave or do you want to put it in a crock pot you're going to get a different result either way you can slow cook something or you can pop it in there quick and fast and just know when to use these tools maybe you want the okay I need a quick result right now because I have something to do I'm short on time that's fine but what we know to be true is that the more you do something the less satisfied you are with it anyway right so it's like if you do something a hundred times it's nowhere near as exciting as the very first time you did it every time you do it going forward and if you do it the exact same way you're going to be less and less satisfied with it. Like if you take that, you know, let's say you love mac and cheese. If you eat mac and cheese for a year straight and nothing else, I promise you, you will hate the smell of cheese. You won't want to look at pasta (laughs) noodle. Like all of the, you know, that's how you're going to look at it. And it's no different when it comes to sex. Like me, when I masturbate, it's like I might have a mold where I'm like, oh my God, I've masturbated every day this week. But then... I'll be like, you know what? No, now I think I'm going to just go a week without it. It's not like I'm craving masturbation. It's just like I'm like, hmm, I just don't. It's it's just like, no, I'm just not in the mood, right? Same thing with sex. Like you take someone who's doing, you know, oh, you're just having a whole bunch of sex. Eventually, you're going to be like, what am I doing? Like, I'm just good on it. Same thing with drinking. Like, all of these different things, it's the same. So the more you do something, you're going to get less gratification with it. And that is why spontaneity, um, enthusiasm, all of these different things go into good sex if you want it to stay good. If you do things the exact same way every single time and you don't switch it up, guess what? It's going to get boring and you're going to want something different.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I, I just actually... Um earlier this year went and taught some workshops up in Canada on the topic of of sex Mm -hmm. and used a lot of food analogies. And I actually have people come up with, okay, what is your ideal meal, right? And have them do an exercise where they described it in great, great, great detail, because people are really good at articulating um, their desires when it comes to food. Mm -hmm. And but then I asked them, okay, so would you want to eat that same thing? (laughs) Every night of the year for the rest, exactly. you know, for the rest of your for the rest of your life. And and that's the thing is that even if it's something that we love, we're gonna get sick and tired of it if yep. it's the same thing on the menu all the time. Yep. Agreed. Agreed.
0: Because at that point, it's like, no, you're going to get sick of it. I don't care how good it is. Like I've and I've put it to the test multiple times. Like I've gone to a restaurant and I've had like I would try a new meal and I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I'm coming back tomorrow and I will come back tomorrow. and It was good the next day, but it wasn't amazing. And then I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, my God, I know I shouldn't do this the third day, but you know what? Fuck it. I'm going back on the third day. And (laughs) on the third day, I could not finish the meal because I was like, no, can't do it. Yeah. Like it doesn't, yep. it's not hitting the same. And it's nothing Burned has out. changed. It, nothing has changed. The, the cooks didn't change. The chef didn't ca- change. I know they didn't change because when I walked in there, I recognized the exact same people. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not them. It's me. It's literally the law of diminishing return. The more you do something, the return on your investment will diminish. It will For gradually sure. diminish and you will want something else, right? So you have to find a way, you know, even with me, my daughter loves macaroni and cheese. I cook macaroni and cheese like five different ways. I yeah. I have to. I have to. I'm like, "Okay, this day we're going to, you know, make sp- it's going to be spicy. I'm going to add some jerk sauce to it. So it's going to be a little spicy mac. And then the next day I might Oh, we can add some meat. or get super creative. One day it might be baked. One day I might do three cheeses. The next, what am I going to do differently? And that's- You're making it, me hungry, Jody.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I just, <laughs> I ate already. <laughs> I love mac and cheese. So. Yeah, but
0: I think, I, what I think is super important as well is, you know, again, the more we have these conversations, the less shame you'll feel associated with it. And I think that's still the takeaway that- You have to be comfortable having these conversations and you have to look at it in the same way that you would any other aspect of your life. Nothing to be ashamed of. People are not ashamed of cooking or going out to eat or, you know, all of these different things. So why are we ashamed about exploring our bodies? Why are we ashamed, you know, and that's a rhetorical question. I know why we're ashamed because it's a cycle, right? We've been conditioned as women to feel shame associated with it so you know it's time for us to i mean i think the good thing is that we are breaking away from it but we still have far to go
1: oh yes we do we do but i I think we're trending in the right direction and you know if we're going to talk about just while we're still tangential to the food stuff Mm-hmm. one thing that I hear um, that can be a source of shame for a lot of women is why am I not in the mood? Yeah. and Right. What's wrong with me? Like, you know, I am in a great relationship. Everything's good. And why am I not in the mood? And, and what I say to people is you're not going to crave what you don't crave. Right. Uh-huh. So think about food. You're not going to crave the seven 11 ham sandwich. Mm-hmm. you're going to crave the delicious meal. But for everyone, we have a different concept of what that meal looks like. And for a lot of clients I've worked with, the reason they're not craving sex is because the thing that's on offer isn't what they actually want. Mm. And they've never taken the time to ask themselves like, okay, well, what is it that I do want? Right? Do I want to be like tied up and kind of thrown around a little bit in the bedroom? Yeah. Which is very, very, very common fantasy, you know, and, and how do I tell my partner that?
0: Yeah, in a shame so, in a shame-free, judgment-free way because you don't yes. want to say like, you know what? I think I want you to do this and then your partner's like, "Wait, what the hell? What are you talking about?" And it just kind of throws them... So now it's like, okay, even more shame. It's like, damn it. Like, you know, I'm trying to be honest and, you know, express my desires with you. But now you make me feel bad about, you know, even doing that. So how do you do it in a way that still... I mean, I personally, I have no issue with being uncomfortable because I feel like I've removed my ego from sex a long time ago. So I'd rather be honest and say what it is that I want. Even if you're going to look at me crazy, that doesn't change the fact that I want what I want. But a lot of women yeah. can't approach a situation like that. And they're like, oh, my God, am I going to lose this person because I want to be kinky? And this person that I'm with is not, you know, they're just not doing it for me on the kink scale. Or how do you, you know, how do, how would you advise someone like that?
1: Okay. So if we're talking about kink specifically, I just want to start off by saying that the research, cause I'm all about the research, as you know, um, the research tells us that the overwhelming majority, like 93% of women have fantasized about being sexually dominated. This yes. is very, very common and it's getting more common year by year. I mean, we look at the fact that Fifty Shades of Grey was the best-selling book of the last decade. Yes, okay? yes. Um, and, and the reason that this fantasy is becoming more common is precisely because as women in our lives outside of the bedroom, we have become more empowered and we're having to make more decisions in our day-to-day lives than we ever have as women on this earth. Mm-hmm. And so we have this fantasy of someone else making those decisions for us. Mm -hmm. We're right. And, and submission fantasies. Like, I just want to like lay there or be told what to do. Like, I don't want to have to solve for this too. When I get into the bedroom.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: you know, as far as, cause a lot of people can be even not just scared of sharing their fantasies, but scared of the fantasies themselves. Like, Oh my God, am I a bad feminist?
2: Mm-hmm. That I want
1: someone to tie me up and call me a slut and like humiliate me. Right. right? And no, it, it actually makes total sense because this is transgressive for you. This is taboo for you. Right. So understanding that our fantasies, I like to say that our fantasies are like reading the tea leaves, that they reveal our, our emotional needs. Mm-hmm. So maybe your fantasy is um, having a threesome, for example, mm-hmm. and, which is the number one most common fantasy amongst men and women in the U.S. Mm-hmm. But having that conversation with your partner could be kind of nuclear, mm-hmm. right? Because now, am I first, not enough?
0: What do you mean right. you want to bring somebody into our bedroom? What what am I doing wrong? And that's their ego, peak, you know, creeping in, right? Because right. it's not a matter, my desires have nothing to do with your how much I'm feeling pleased by you right it's Mm -hmm. not a direct attack on it's not a direct attack on what you're doing like as as far as we're sexually concerned but what it is is that you know as far as you're concerned you don't know how long I've had this fantasy but this is the first time I'm
1: bringing it up right right and understanding that that that's normal for, for you to be worried what your partner is going to say, but before you bring up the fantasy, get clear on the why behind it,
2: mm.
1: right? And and get curious because I like to say don't yuck anyone's yum, right? And right. The the antidote to judgment is curiosity. Mm-hmm. So get curious yourself. Like, okay, what is it about this fantasy that turns me on? For a lot of people, having a threesome is the fantasy of being the center of attention.
2: Mm-hmm. for
1: some people it's i just want a little novelty and mm-hmm. so there are actually ways to start meeting those needs without bringing a third person in mm-hmm. so dip your toes in and of course if you eventually want to bring a third person in tons of resources and you know and pointers for you to do that but oh, yeah you know it, say you're both on board yeah a threesome could be fun try watching some porn together see how you react Watching your partner get turned on by another person on the screen before you bring an actual live human being into your bedroom. Right. Try watching your partner kiss another person first. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Get curious about your fantasy. So, what is it about it that turns you on? And if if you can get behind the why first, it'll make the conversation a lot less scary. Right. Um, right. So so that's kind of how I suggest. do this is one understand that your fantasies aren't what they appear on their surface get curious about the why and then um, approach it from that place when you're having the conversation with your partner
0: I love that I love that I definitely think that's super important Um, I know at least for me I started exploring ideas within the last two maybe two and a half years about conventional monogamy and you know identifying as non-monogamous i identify as non-monogamous but i don't identify as poly Mm -hmm. or any of that because for, (laughs) for me it's how do i feel with you it is about my it has nothing to do with me saying oh i my monogamy is a choice and it is something that I do not take lightly. So if I if it feels right to be monogamous, then we can you know, that that is the route that we can choose. But it will not be forced and it won't be assumed either. I think oftentimes yes. people assume monogamy as the norm. And that's problematic because so many people cheat and it shouldn't be viewed as
1: <laughs> the norm. Because
0: clearly okay, are this...
1: people are not oh, being Jody, monogamous. I mean... Okay, if we need to shout anything from the rooftops, like this is another one that I like to scream about is, (laughs) okay, everyone expects monogamy. It's become like the default setting, right? It's it's the default setting, but we're really fucking terrible at
0: it. We're terrible at it. We suck at it. So why are we doing it? Why are we forcing it on everyone and making people feel Um, uncomfortable for wanting to explore these different, you know, ways of living their lives and expressing their sexuality. It's just super crazy. Like, why are you preaching this thing that you're bad at? It just seems so hypocritical.
1: Right. Right. But, but, you know, the alternative, though, ethical non-monogamy is, is really, I've seen it um, be really threatening to people Just as a concept Oh yeah It gets you know And, and not everyone I think we're again We're trending in a different direction now yeah. um, In terms of the younger generation Being more sexually fluid um, Not necessarily seeing monogamy As the default setting But if we're going to talk about shame Jody, Like if we're talking about infidelity There's so much shame there There's the shame of cheating
2: Mm-hmm. that you
1: feel if you're the one committing the act of infidelity and then there's the shame of being cheated on right yes the shame of like wow i'm there must be something wrong with me that my partner did this to me mm-hmm. so we then have this like shame sex pool that we've created simply because people don't know how to have a realistic conversation about monogamy itself yes um and 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 Ethical non monogamy is an umbrella, right? Like you said, you don't identify as poly. I right. do not identify as poly either. And that's just one way of doing it. And I think people will say, well, I couldn't do poly, therefore, non monogamy isn't right for me. I'm like, no, 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 that's just one way of doing
0: it. Yeah, because there are so many levels to poly, right? And I think Mm -hmm. people just kind of assume that, oh, well, if you're poly, then you're just fucking a bunch of people and everybody is cool with it. And that's just it. No, there's a lot of honesty and trust and communication that is at the core of what, you know, poly and non-monogamy is. Right. And that is something that is absent in monogamous relationships, because if it was present, there wouldn't be so much cheating because cheating is a you're going against this, you know, implied or direct contract with your partner. Right you're saying this is what These are the terms we agree to And if you don't abide By the terms that we agree to then you're Cheating right you're breaching the contract If if we say that we are Together and we're only having sex with each Other and we are only dating each other And this is the agreement and then You do these things with someone else you Have cheated you can cheat And be in you know it's, it's just The word cheating just means that The agreement that you guys had with Each other you went against that that's what it is. Yeah. And, if, and that can happen in non-monogamous relationships. Exactly. Too. Exactly. Like it does not mean there's a free for all or you get a hall pass on, you know, oh, I can just do whatever I want. It comes down to being honest and being transparent. And so many people are not those things. And I don't, you know, it's like, okay, we can say, okay, it's because they're ashamed because that's what it comes down to. If you truly were honest with yourself and your partner and you communicate there's nothing to be ashamed of there is nothing to be ashamed of i think the ego creeps in especially when it comes to monogamous situations and it makes you feel like so then that's where the shame comes in right because now your ego is saying well you allowed this to happen to you Or there's something wrong with you because this person did this to you. Or there's something wrong with you because you did this to that person. As opposed to saying, you know what? This is, I don't want monogamy. I much rather someone be honest with me and say I don't want monogamy and I think oftentimes people again since we assume monogamy as the norm I remember the first time I had this conversation with a guy I was dating and he said he identified as poly and he brought it it up early on in the dating situation because he didn't want to like you know shock me or make me feel a a certain way after the fact and my response was oh that's cool I'm not monogamous that I'm I like thank you for sharing that with me And I know that mm-hmm. there's a lot of women Out there that would not respond like that They be like what you mean mm-hmm. or you know It's like okay now it's a problem now I have to Defend my views and I tell People all the time just be yourself and be Honest with me because I'm going to be myself and be honest with you I would have if he didn't bring it Up I probably I would have I would have Brought it up I'm like okay so I've, I Identify as non monogamous like my Monogamy is a choice I pick and choose when I utilize that, but I'm still very honest. So I don't enter, you know, situations assuming it. Um, So where do you, how do you, how do you want to proceed? Because I don't want to hold you up. I don't want to keep you from anything because of how I identify, right? Because my preferences and my identification and my sexuality and how I want to express myself with the individuals around me, that is a choice of mine. And you can yeah. accept it, or you cannot. But either way, we yeah. can walk away good friends, or we can walk away good partners, and and you know then we can figure it out from there. Yeah,
1: <laughs> right, right. And and understanding that you that what ethical monogamy looks like to you today, it might look different a few months from now. It might look different depending on what relationship you're in and with with who. Right. Yes. You don't have to commit to this is who I am, this is how I do things, get to know yourself, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: be flexible, you know, my partner and I, we've been together um, four and a half years now. and, And we're non monogamous. But what that looks like for us has evolved. It's changed. And we constantly have to check in and say, like, okay, well, here's what our arrangement is right now. Is it still working for us? Yes. And so, you know, there's so much communication that goes into it, which I wish that even in monogamous relationships, people were required to have that level of communication, but we've just gotten lazy.
2: Yeah.
1: And, well, you know what? I'm going to I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take that back. It's not that we've gotten lazy. It's just that no one's actually taught us how to have constructive conversations within relationships. Yeah. Like, look at the shit they teach us in high school. No one's telling us how to have emotionally intelligent conversations with each other. Yep. No one's teaching us this shit.
2: hmm
1: So, um, you know, what... If we're talking about shame, it's like, well, why can't I have these discussions? Well, because no one's taught you how to do that, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, so let yourself off the hook a little bit, mm-hmm. but then educate yourself on how to do it. And yes. that's really, you know, part of what you're doing here through this podcast, what I do through my work, what I what I help women with one-on-one too. You know, with the clients I work with in that capacity, is you know, sometimes I will sit with them and say, okay, get your phone out you're going to text and you're going to text us and you're going to send this text right now. Mm -hmm. And, and they'll do the scary thing, but you know, it's during our session. So I'm, I'm there over zoom with them. (laughs) And, and just to show them like, okay, the world didn't end. You expressed yourself. You told your husband or your boyfriend, like, Hey, you know what might be fun for us to try? And you sent it. And I have never knock on wood. I've never to this day, been in session with somebody where they've gotten um, like a negative response mm-hmm. from their partner after suggesting stuff and so this fear it's, most of it is just kind of built up in our heads for, for the most part
0: yeah, yeah it's the ego like the ego's job mm-hmm. is literally just to make us feel comfortable so if there's something that's going to make us feel uncomfortable the ego will say nope don't do that don't do mm-hmm. that you better not don't send that text You better not Mm -hmm. like, so I definitely, you know, we have to figure out ways to kind of take check, check your ego, check your ego at the dough. I talk about that often on the show because it's something that I had to realize. I think that when I began to check my own ego, Because there was a point where I would say, oh, and even, you know, like once I came to the realization that I was non-monogamous, it made sense. It kind of it was like, well, duh, because (laughs) um, when I'm in a relationship, I'm in the relationship. But when things are not working for me, I do not feel the need to work. I'm, I'm fine with, you know, going off and finding another way. I don't have to force Mm -hmm. this situation right here. And does that mean that I'm dating, you know, a couple guys at the same time? Maybe. Does it mean that I'm only dating one? Maybe. How do I feel? What feels natural? And Mm -hmm. once I started taking, you know, it's like, okay, I think about the times that I've been the cheater In my situations, I think about the times where guys have cheated with me because I've been on, you know, and I think about the times where I've been cheated on. So I've literally I've sat in all three seats and Mm -hmm. I take a, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, go ahead, you know, just cheat. Like, no, I should have been honest. I I could have been honest, but I was ashamed to be honest. So moving forward, what can I do differently? Because if I'm honest, then I'm not cheating, right? Like that's literally yeah. the thing. So if I'm, if I'm being honest and then I'm not cheating and then I don't feel shamed and then I can still get what I want.
2: What? I mean, what right. are you doing?
0: <laughs> it's like, duh. Like, so once I kind of evaluated and again, I did all of this just, you know, like after my last long term relationship and I just did a lot of reflecting on my sex life on my relationships on myself as a person and then I began to slowly you know incorporate dating new people and dating multiple people but then having periods where I only dated and focused on one person and what I realized is that no Monogamy as a convention, it just, no, like I'm cool without it. Like maybe I do it. Maybe I don't. It's not the, it doesn't have to be the norm for me. You might want monogamous relationship with me. And then I express that I'm non-monogamous. You cannot force that on me if I don't want to be monogamous with you. But also I'm not going to force my non-monogamy on you either. So if this doesn't work for you, please Find something at will because I, I don't I do not want to be the person that keeps you from happiness. Right. So for yeah. me, I identify as flexible. So it may be that, look, I want to participate in a threesome or a orgy or what have you. Like, I like group sex. I think it's you know, that mm-hmm. that's my thing. And I'm cool with that. My partner would have to be cool with that. My partner would also yeah. have to be cool if they are not included in that. Yeah. And that's yeah. where yeah. your ego, you have to check your ego. Because why do you feel that my sex? you have to be a part of my sexuality and my sexual expression? If they said, okay, this is what I want to do and I don't want you a part of it, now how am I going to react? Because the same way I ask you to check your ego, I have to be able to check mine. And I have to be able to say, okay, I'm cool with not participating because I don't want to regulate your pleasure as long as we are being honest with each other and we know the expectations. And those yeah. are difficult conversations for people to have.
1: I mean, they, they're some of the hardest ones. And I, I will say this because um, I was I was married um, in, in a monogamous relationship and we got to the point where I said, I can't stay in this marriage unless we we open up essentially Mm -hmm. and we had you know I had been to therapy we were in couples therapy all the things and his final thing was that that doesn't align with who I am like just by nature I am a monogamous person and I don't want to be in an open marriage and we parted ways very amicably actually because he's like I don't want to hold you back like if this is who you are right I don't want to hold you back But please, you have to respect the fact that I'm not the same as you. Right. And we wouldn't have ever gotten together and gotten married in the first place if I didn't think that these proclivities I had for non-monogamy, I I saw them as this problem I just needed to fix. Like, okay, well, maybe if I do more therapy or maybe if I do this, Mm then then I'll just be happy with one person.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And, And no, like. I was just I was drowning Jody, and so that was ending my marriage was kind of the first domino that fell and then I got to catch up on all the things I'd always wanted to do like going to a sex party um having having multiple partners back you know all these all these fun things exploring with BDSM um and and I I also want to point out too that I I am in a committed long-term relationship with a primary partner right now because some people also say I don't want to do no monogamy because I I want to do life with someone I want to have a partner
0: and you still and can. I have that right yes <laughs> you still can <laughs> yeah there are so many misconceptions about non-monogamy and I'm hoping that through these conversations that you know through the conversation that you and I are having today that will spark more conversations with other people about what does this actually mean right because again we talked about how there are levels to poly I'm gonna have a totally different episode on that um totally different episode on non-monogamy as well it's just you know this idea of shame when it comes to sex and expressing your desires just kind of took us in this direction which I'm super grateful before it's like you know just natural right but that's what it comes down to we have to be able to look at situations and say is my ego creeping in on me and preventing me from either enjoying enjoying the moment or my partner from enjoying the moment because of my ego like how do we you know what I'm saying like and because we're being prevented from enjoying this because of the ego because we now feel shame and we feel like what we're doing is wrong How do we take a step back, check our ego, reflect, and say, you know what? No, it is fucking okay. Like, because here's the thing at the end of the day, I say this all the time I rather leave this earth happy than to leave this earth having not explored, being unfulfilled, having been afraid. having to feel shame associated with just being human and figuring this life shit out because that's what we're all Amen. doing. We just walking around trying to figure this shit out. It's like a never ending Sims game. Like, I don't know. Sometimes I bump into shit. <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> but, but the,
0: like Sometimes that's just yes. what it is. <laughs> we are all and just trying to uh, figure uh, it
1: out. <laughs> I know. And, and that's the thing. Like, when people ask me, you know what what does success mean to you, Rena?" I'm like, if I got hit by a bus tomorrow, success means if I got hit by a bus tomorrow, I would be completely okay with my life as I was living it. Yes, because so many people, you know think we have all the time in the world, right? No, we and don't. well, maybe my marriage will get better, maybe this, maybe that. and and we only
2: get if to do this If your uncle had more.
1: a pussy, he'd be your auntie. Like we could
0: sit here and talk about like what maybe this, yeah. maybe that. Like okay, cool. It don't matter. Like it. Are you happy today? And if you are not happy today, especially with your sex life, you need to change that shit like expeditiously. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. Amen, and you know, I have I have my clients do this exercise, like a thought exercise. Well, not just thinking; they write it out too, and they share it with me. But what would my life look like if shame weren't an option? Oh, uh, you know, what if we could wave the magic wand and you didn't have shame and you didn't have fear? Paint that picture for me. What would that look like?
2: Yeah, and
1: so many of them, you know, it's like I would, I would speak up more in the bedroom, or you know, I wouldn't be in the job I'm in right now. Mm-hmm. I would. I would travel by myself instead of worrying about, you know, this, that, and the other. I would wear a two-piece to the beach instead of looking at my fat rolls, right? Yes. And, and my goal is to have it so that you're not looking at a flip screen of here's the life I wish I was living and the life I'm living right now, that you get to integrate those together. So
2: yes. where is
1: shame holding you back? Like, if you're listening to this and you're like, is shame holding me back? Do that exercise yourself. And see how different is your life as it looks right now versus this magic wand, shame free life that that you want.
0: Yes, cause fuck and, them people. Fuck them people. Like <laughs> when people are truly fulfilled and they are truly happy with themselves, that energy spreads. That energy yeah. is, is is infectious in all of the best of ways. And people yeah. fuck with you. Like Even with me, I feel like the more provocative I became and the less shame that I had, like, can't nobody tell, like, oh, you a hoe. Okay. like That's all you got. Like, I'm also a scholar. I'm also like, I'm all these other amazing things. Like, but you're trying to use this word to trigger or hurt me. And it means nothing to me. It literally means nothing. It's like, you know. Someone mm-hmm. can curse you out in a different language. And if you don't know what the fuck they saying, it don't mean nothing, right? It has yeah. no effect on me because those words that you're using are not even my language. I think that if more people just kind of say, you know what? Fuck these people. What is going to make me happy? What is going to make me mm-hmm. feel sexually fulfilled? Then... Yeah, that is that is the, that is where great sex comes from. That is where shame free sex comes from, because at that point you're taking a liberated view, right? Like nothing is yeah. holding you back. So I love that exercise of like if shame was to just go away, how would your
1: life be? Again, you know, don't yuck anyone's yum. Yes. Like that's the big thing, right? It, like, you're living your life, Jody. People can throw their shit in their own language that, that doesn't permeate you. But, like, why do they care? Yeah. Why Your life doesn't affect them at all. And it would be a really boring world if we all liked the same food, right? Yeah. That would be pretty boring. Yeah. And what for... If-
2: <laughs> like, right? What? Right?
1: But, like, there there are people out there eating food that I think, that I personally think is gross, like oysters. That's a real common one that I, like, I tried it, though. Like, I tried it. I'm like, it's not my thing. Right. But then I've asked people who like oysters, what is it that you like about them? Mm-hmm. And they'll tell me, and I'll have them get really specific. So this is kind of an exercise I've done in workshops, too. Like, okay, but now I understand why you like it. It's still not my thing, but I understand why you like it.
2: Yeah. And so
1: if, if anyone's listening and they're like, oh, non-monogamy, eek, that scares me or, you know, anything like that, get curious about it. Try to understand why people are doing something that's different than you. And yeah. I know people who they they have vanilla sex. And when I say vanilla, I'm not saying boring. I'm just saying not kinky. Right. But they've like tried, they've tried kink stuff and they're like, you know, I tried it and it's just not really my thing. Right. So, like, don't resort to the default setting. Remain open and curious. Mm-hmm. I say try anything once because that's really how you figure out what you like and what you don't Hell like Same yeah. with food, right? Yeah. You're not going to know if you like oysters unless you try them. Exactly. And so, right? I just, just you know, people be good to each other. Yes. <laughs> yes. Don't yuck yes. anyone's yum. Be good to each other. Be yes. good to
0: yourself. Yeah. What are some takeaways you want to leave the people with?
1: Oh, um, I feel like the the big one that I just mentioned, which is don't yack yes, anyone's yum. Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
1: on the topic of shame, I, I want to tell people that we're hardwired to feel shame.
2: Mm-hmm. So shame
1: actually has an evolutionary purpose. I
0: think about the shame long- monster, the shame monster from Big Mouth.
1: <laughs> well, it's, it's but like a, a long time ago, as hunters and gatherers, we needed shame to stay alive.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, because if our community rejected us, we would die because we, we needed them, right? So right. We're, we're stuck with this holdover emotion that is now considered to be psychologically damaging. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: when it comes to shame, I want people to keep in mind that you're hardwired to feel it. And it's kind of an act of rebellion to break free from it. Mm-hmm. And, and look at that life that, that you've imagined where shame isn't an option, and what's the one tiniest, babyest step you can take this week to mm-hmm. start walking a bit closer to that life.
0: Yeah, I think we touched on a lot of great things. Can you tell the people how they can follow you?
1: Yes, you can follow me on Instagram. It's underscore Martin underscore. And you can check out more of what I do, my work, at my website, rena Um, I have a TEDx out right now on the topic of sexual shame. Nice. And if you're interested in, in watching that, you can uh, check it out on YouTube, but there's a link to my bio. Um, on instagram
0: okay sounds good and her information will also be in the show notes guys so please check my girl out because like i said she be dropping gems yes i want to thank you again for tuning in with me vibing with me on this episode of provocative i think we're leaving them with a lot of good helpful insightful information and we hope that you guys are gonna have better sexual experiences after this episode like go have y'all some shame free sex like right now like turn it turn turn your phones off and then just go go fuck somebody shame shamelessly (laughs) yes stop listening now yes stop it look turn it off turn it off go fuck somebody (laughs) and on (laughs) that note we are out before you go i want to remind you to embrace your inner hoe Thank you for tuning in to Provocative, and don't forget to follow us on all streaming platforms. Happy hoeing. P-R-H-O-E-D-O-C-A-T-I-V-E. Spell with the wire hoe, because deep down, we all got some in us. And this is your safe space to be unapologetically provocative. Oh, is my ground too masculine? You put the nigga in missionary
2: yeah. yeah. and the <laughs> What the fuck? That <laughs> <laughs>